Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. struggle with guilt. We just don't feel ah, we want to 
come up before God because we're aware of our sin and shame and it's too uncomfortable. Other people are just enjoying the comforts of life. The flesh, all the soulful, physical things to enjoy. Very easy just to taste and enjoy that, that part of our life. And then we end up being insensitive to what our spirit's really hungry for and yearning for. And we can end up being just completely lazy in a spiritual sense. You can be active, busy, fit, strong, productive, successful in physical realm and completely slack and apathetic in your spirit. And, of course, we've got an enemy who will do everything, all those things I mentioned and others, everything he can do to prevent you from coming before God. Standing, focused, worshipful, non-distracted, just before God, encountering God. But when you do make the time, and notice that phrase is not find the time. You've got to make the time. People say, I don't have the time. No, you do. You've got the time for anything. It's if it's important enough. You make the time for what's important. And uh, it's just a matter of prioritizing. And, but, it, but if you create the space in your life to come before God, then things happen. At least three things happen I want to touch on. As I experience them, and so can we. The first one is holiness. We're aware of God's holiness. Isaiah is totally overwhelmed by God's holiness, his glory, his, his wonder, his perfection. He stands in, in awe and reverence because he has this revelation of who God really is. And, and smoke fills the place. There's these, these mighty angel-like creatures. They're calling out to each other about God's holiness. Their voices shake the temple. This is not Hollywood. CGI. This is real. And, and it's a dramatic reminder when we read it of how awesome God is. In the true sense of the word awesome, we overuse that word. You know, maybe it's chocolate's awesome. You, know, you don't you know, fall with your wobbly knees in shock and awe and fear at the block of chocolate. But someone who really is to be feared and honored in the most amazing, deepest, respectful way. That's what Isaiah is aware of. And and this is important because, as I said, we're busy and we can get just the wear and tear of daily life dulling our spiritual sensitivity to the point that you can be around God but not really aware of how holy and awesome and amazing He is. You can you can find yourself maybe measuring your holiness yourself or your sense of righteousness by comparing yourself with other people and thinking, you know, you can be lulled into thinking, I'm, I'm living a, a pretty committed life, really, compared to them. But Isaiah is standing before God and he's not got anyone else to compare himself to. It's just him and God. And so if it's just you and God, that's really cool. All the other distractions, just you and God. And then you're aware, wow, God, you are you are amazing. I am overwhelmed by your holiness, your righteousness. And so the focus is all on him, not on me, which is another healthy thing. 
know, because uh, we tend to think and focus a lot on ourselves. And even when we talk about God, you know, we think in terms of God focusing on us too. We come before God and it's like, oh, what do they say? Oh, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? You know, and it's like, God, 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 I know it's about you. Now, you bless me. <laughs> Please help me. So, Isaiah and, and we can, when we're honestly standing before God, be aware of, wow, God, you are super special. You are holy. You are set apart. That's really what holiness is all about. What holy means is totally cut away, separated, different from, perfectly independent of anything else that the world's got to offer. And, and I'm called to encounter you. I've been created to be aware of that, to come and have a place where I'm reminded of that. And then, of course, following on from that is humility. Because you're not going to stand before God and feel particularly proud. And Isaiah certainly doesn't. There's an obvious acknowledgement of our total inadequacy. And Isaiah is aware of his sinful state. He says, it's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I've got unclean lips. I live among people with unclean lips. And yet here am I standing before the king. He just realizes this righteous, holy fire is just going to burn me up because I'm not worthy. And that's a pretty strong, stark contrast to how many people approach God or talk about God. Because you find people say, oh, yeah, God, yeah, he's me, mate. The big fella upstairs, you know, church, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of walk on the beach, that's my church, I'm cool, you know, even me, yeah, well, like that, all very cash, and yet the pride of man has dealt a pretty swift blow when you really encounter God himself, and of course this is up to us, how honest and raw and real and open we really are before God, because you can be around God, you can hear people talk about seeking God, you can sort of dabble in knowing godly things, you can come to church, you can read the Bible, you can kind of pray to God, you can go through a lot of that without really facing Him, you know, really being honest. I've said that I've seen some Christian people busy and in their Christian life. They can work for God, they can pray a lot, they can yabba dabba do as good as anyone. And yet you think, what is going on? Because there's this major deal that they are dealing with. And, and you wonder, are they really open before God? But if we are, then we're going to be humble. And, that's, and notice, humility doesn't mean humiliation. Isaiah's, he's convicted of his sin, but that doesn't mean he's condemned. Big difference. See, a lot of people talking about grace these days because they're basically not understanding repentance and conviction and God's forgiveness. They sort of feel like, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to talk about sin. I, it just sounds bad, so I'm just going to talk about grace and I'll just hope that it just washes over all the sins automatically, but there's nothing wrong with identifying a sin. I'm not talking about nitpicking every single thing you've ever done, having a sin consciousness. A 
because some people go down that track. And they oh, I mean, sinners saved by grace, and we're all worms, right? But there's always, you know, a bit of a swing. You've got to watch it. You don't end up over here saying, I'm, I'm not humble before God. I, I, I don't want to deal with the real issue. The real issue is that we are sinful. We've got stuff. But when we stand before God, God doesn't look what he says. God doesn't say, yes, you, you are a sin, sinner. Watch out. I am going to smite you. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Indeed. Look what God does in his dealing with Isaiah. He sends the seraph and he touches his lips with a coal. He says, your guilt is removed, your sins are forgiven. So fire, the coal, is of course a symbol of God's holiness, his righteousness. It burns, you know, like a fire burning up sin. In fact, the Hebrew word for uh, seraph means a, a burning one. And so when that, the coal, you know, touches his lips, I'm guessing it's touching his lips because that's where Isaiah is, is most aware of his sin. He's, you know, like all of us, but like, ah, you know, you can be, you can look pretty cool until you speak. And, you know, it's like, ah, I've let myself down. I'm, so he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He's aware that he, when he misspeaks, as the politicians would say, he, he knows his speech is far from perfect. Um, but because of his humility, God reaches out to him, not with judgment, but with forgiveness. And how much more should we have a revelation of that in the New Testament? Because we've got Jesus who has already come and made a way for us to be restored in relationship to the Father. So we've got every reason to be humbled but not humiliated, not guilt-ridden about our sin, just simply to stand before God and then receive His grace and forgiveness. So that's pretty cool. So we're aware of His holiness, we're humbled before Him, which, which means that we're made holy in his sight, which is pretty cool. And then the other word um, that comes to mind is, is hunger. Because when we're in God's presence, we get hungry for more. You know, when you encounter God, you really do think and realize this is the best thing that I can do. I really don't want to just bother with all that other stuff that I thought was so important. And, uh, and so we feel a call worship him, to be closer to him, to follow his ways, our, our spirit, the appetite in our spirit for encountering God is both stirred and satisfied at the same time. It, it's satisfied because you feel, oh yes, this is who I am, this is where I'm meant to be, I've got my identity sorted because God loves me, that's all I need to know. You know, that's the, that's the basis of my identity in life, not what I do for a job, not how I look what other people say about me. God says, he loves me, I'm his child, that'll do, that's okay. And so that feels settled for us, you know, and you get a sense of security and peace in your spirit. And then you also get a, a clear sense of your convictions, what you believe and your calling, your purpose in life. You're not wondering and worried about, you know, what do I believe, what do I stand on this issue and how, what am I going to do here and what's the future hold? There's a security, a satisfaction, just like eating a great meal. Ah, oh, you know, when you eat a really good meal and you've been really hungry, you just feel satisfied. Ah, oh, that, that feels good. And so our hunger for all sorts of stuff, that sometimes we're eating, you know, the wrong foods to try and satisfy the hunger. You know when you're hungry, you don't know what not to eat, and you, and you eat junk food and then you still, 
much as I love chocolate, I should have eaten some beans or something that's healthy, you know. And uh, now I'm not saying that God is just, you know, like Brussels sprouts, because taste and see that the Lord is good, the Bible says. But it's good in every sense, tasty but also nutritious and satisfying. And notice that when we get satisfied in our spirit, it doesn't mean that we just get full and relaxed just for our own sake. And we're just like, oh, that's really good. Just like, you know, jab of the hut. You know, like, oh, yeah. So because some Christians are just feeding all the time. Oh, I feel good. And just, no, it's more that we are getting energized for life. Because good food that's nutritious gives you energy. You're fueled and, and fed and, and fired up to do something like a, a healthy body. Someone who wants to go and, you know, work and exercise, play sport. Where's John Holt? The most amazing try saving tackle that Luke Brown's ever seen yesterday on the rugby field. They're on the halfway line. And there's a guy who's already celebrating the try. He's broken away from the pack, and he's got his hands in the air, motioning in a certain way to the opposition about the try that he's going to score. John and Luke are on the halfway line. John's never played rugby before in his life. Luke says, John, go! And John goes, the crowd like, nah, look at this guy. Oh, are you serious? No way. He can't. No way. What? The guy's getting over the line, and John's like, no idea how to tackle. He's never played before, but just throws his body at the guy. No one thinks he doesn't know how to tackle because he smacked the guy. The ball comes loose, and he doesn't score the try, and everyone just goes, off. Oh, and, they, and they're all asking, look, who is this guy? And so um, if you're an old rugby follower, it was like apparently the, the tackle that George Green famously made. Why am I saying that? Just to keep you awake. Right? Now, back to the Bible. But there was a slight mini little loose connection there about doing something with the nutrition that you get in your spirit. Right? John didn't have a great big meal yesterday morning and then just sit around enjoying his bacon and eggs. He went out and he ran on the way with the He needed the energy that he had taken to, you know, into his body to do that. And in the same way, we're called to serve God, to minister, to bless people, to reach out, to love and, and, and do stuff. So Isaiah's encounter with God, he doesn't say, oh, how awesome was that? I met with God. I felt humbled. I was aware of my sin, but he reached out, touched me. This angel came, forgave me, and now I just feel so good about myself. I'm so blessed. The end. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who will go for us? Who will we send? So the call of God comes. He's, he's healed. He's made whole. He's forgiven. He's fed. His hunger is, is satisfied, but at the same time, his hunger is now stirred. And he realizes, wow, I, I want to serve God. I, what, God, you want something done? I, I'll go. I, I, you know, I, and I, I love that because you know, people talk about the call of God. Oh, I don't know if the call of God's on me or on him. Or the, the call of God's already been given because he hears God saying, who will go for me? God didn't come and say, oh, finally, you're good enough. Someone, can you go for me, please? God's already set the call out. Jesus has already given us the great commission.
mission. There's already stuff for us to do. So when we uh, encounter God, we get this hunger to see others encounter Him too. And let's face it, that's what true discipleship is, isn't it? That we're following Jesus and then we're wanting other people to follow us as we follow Jesus. So they follow Jesus. I heard Peter McHugh preach this week, and you may remember we've had him speak here before, and he said, we haven't been saved just so we can go to heaven for our own sakes. We've been saved so we can bring heaven to earth for the sake of others. And then he shared this great story about uh, this encounter that we can bring into the community. And this is exciting when we're talking about our weekly witness. It's not just using words. It's bringing the power of God with us wherever we go so that our encounter with God leads to other people encountering God. So he shared this story, how he read a letter, basically. It was an application for a role in ministry in their church. And this guy began by saying, I was an atheist. Totally didn't believe in God. But he said, not long ago, I had a terrible fall and uh, I broke my ankle badly and I, I think he broke ribs and he had other injuries and he spent three months in hospital uh, and uh, in, in you know rehab situation and then he was released just in time for his wedding but he was still in a lot of pain. And he said, we were out in the um, shopping mall and I was limping. He may have had crutches, I can't remember. But he said a young woman, complete stranger, came up to him and said, he was with his fiancée, and came up and said, um, look, I, I, I couldn't help but notice you limping. Uh, what, what, can I ask what, what happened? And he's a little taken aback, but he was not put out. He gave her the brief version of what had happened to him. And she said, well, can I ask, what would the pain be if you described it in, say, in numbers from 1 to 10? 10 being the highest. He said, oh, it's about an 11. And she said, well, can I, can I pray for you? And the guy wrote, the, uh, he said, yes, thinking that this would mean the young woman would pray for him later, like next to her bed, like they do in the movies, you know. So he said, sure. So the next minute, this complete stranger is kneeling down in front of him, putting her hands on his ankle. He said, all these people around. And she started to pray out loud. But he felt something. She got up and she said, now how would you describe the pain level? He said, well, it's kind of like a six. And then she prayed again and the pain went down more. So he was really shocked and shaken because he thought, there's really something going on here. And she's praying in the name of Jesus and she and he's starting to think, you know, <laughs> there's something to this. And so he kept in touch. This woman asked the couple if she could keep in touch, met with them the next week, invited them to church, he got born again, and here he is serving God, and it all started with someone who no doubt had had her own encounters with God. She didn't sort of wake up on her own accord saying, I'm going to go and pray for random strangers. She's obviously stood before God and felt the call of God. Here am I, send me. Amen? And so... um, As I said, we, we, we get our hunger satisfied, but um, but we want to we want to keep we want to keep eating in in the same in the same way we enjoy fine food that we might have a favourite of, and then we'll want to have it again. And so, come on, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I ask the band to come? 
And um, I just want to encourage you to be aware of His holiness, to come and stand before Him, and of course you'll be made aware of your humility, but don't let that condemn you. Humble yourself and let Him lift you up. And then let your encounters with Him stir and both stir and satisfy your hunger. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.